Good morning and welcome to Hochma and Coffee for this beautiful, beautiful Friday, November 18th morning. I hope that you're all doing well. Uh, we're going to bring on our special guest, my brother Jonah here. How are you this morning? Doing good. Oh, doing good. Good. This was the first morning I had to uh, scrape my windows or whatever you call it because it hasn't. I haven't had to do that yet. But I got up and I was like, oh, man, it's frosted clean over. But we we had those uh, the gloved scrapers so you don't get freezing while you're out there. That's the way to go. Yes. So, well, I'm glad that you're able to get up this early. It is it's it is definitely definitely early. And so uh, we're going to oh, there's the Bible. Let's look over at this. We're going to do our, our housekeeping first. If you want the free Hochmad coffee background, make sure you check the description for that. That is just our gift to you. We also have our new mug, which if you want to be a part of the cool mug club, you can go and look in the description below and uh, join the cool mug club. I do believe we're going to have a special edition mug that's only going to be available during the month of December coming out and so keep your eyes peeled for that also we have our biggest giveaway ever we're going to be giving away a very expensive bible we're going to be giving away a course actually two courses and another book if you want the details search for that uh, image in our on our channel and you'll see all the details on how to join that we'll be giving it all away on christmas day and so you'll want to stay tuned and then also i want to say thank you to our everything church pro supporters we got judy murphy gary pence maggie diaz kathy earnhardt and cindy erickson who've just supported us literally forever and so thank you guys for for your support and so we're going to today be jumping into hebrews 10 and we're only going to cover the first 25 verses um, but it's, it's a, a beautiful, it seems almost like a climax to the sections that we have been studying the last few weeks. Wouldn't you say that Jonah? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, so we're not going to cover the really intense stuff today. That's going to take its own, um, time next week. And so if you're like, Oh, I want to look at verse 26 and on, we'll, we'll cover that next week. Uh, but, oh, it's good to see you. Um, yes, you are on time. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, but it is, it's exciting to see what we're going to do next week, but I'm, I'm really loving this week's material. Next week's going to be really deep and really like complex. I think this week's isn't as complex, but it's really practical and powerful. And so we're going to see Jesus as a better offering, as a better offering. And so before we read it, just kind of in review, Hebrews is about how Jesus is better. Chapter one, he's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than uh, uh, the Levit Levitical priesthood. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than the old tabernacle. He is better. We're going to see he has a better offering. Oh, I guess he's a, well, we already talked about he's a better high priest. And so here we're looking at him as a better offering, a better offering. And so we're going to read a section. And then uh, I liked how we did it last week, how we kind of read, explained, read, explained. So we're going to try that this week. Uh, hopefully it works out the same way, but we're going to begin in verse number one, Hebrews 10 verse one. It says this for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged would have no more conscience of sins. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith. Actually, let's let's stop at verse four. I think I think that's a good breaking point for our beginning ex, uh, explanation. <laughs> and so, verses one through four. Uh, Jonan, do you want to jump in with what your first observations are with verses one through four? For sure. Um, I believe in the past, in the previous chapters of Hebrews, that uh, he, the penman has alluded to uh, this a couple times, but I think he's going in deeper uh, here yeah. in chapter 10. Um, but he is uh, reiterating that even just this last chapter of Hebrews 9, he was talking about, uh, man, the day of atonement re- relating Christ uh, to man, the one day <laughs> year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. They had to do that year by year by year. Christ only had to do it once. And he's just reminding us here in chapter 10 now that, hey, remember, I've said it before, but these sacrifices uh, didn't make the comers there unto perfect. I mean, uh, this was just a shadow of the good things to come. It was just a shadow of what Christ would do once for all, as we'll get to later on in this chapter. Mm. Uh, but it, just keep that in mind. He, he just keeps pounding that into these these Jewish believers' brains and saying, hey, it's okay. You don't have to, and again, I don't want to keep going ahead. You don't have to go back to yeah. uh, Judaism. The blood of Christ is, is sufficient. Better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, no, it's so true. And so I love that. And I love, and when we look at verse one, it says the law having a shadow, which again, he's, he's really trying to show them that although the law and the things of the law look more solid than Jesus, because Jesus, you know, is in heaven, whereas they could see the temple, they could see the high priest, they could see the sacrifices. He wants them to realize, no, that's just the shadow. That's the shadow and not the very image of the things can never. I love that. He, he wants them to think it's not like sometimes it does, but not, not all the time. Although Jesus is, Jesus is a hundred percent. This is like 90%. He's like, no, 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 this is 0%. It could never, not once with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually make the comers perfect. Like you were just saying, it couldn't change you. It couldn't make you what you were meant to be. And then I love his reasoning. I mean, whoever wrote this is a lot like Paul in that just very logical, just very logical. He says, because if it could make you perfect, wouldn't it, wouldn't have, he's just asking them. He's like, would they not have ceased to be offered? Like you answered the question. Just let us know if it could have made you perfect. Wouldn't they have stopped sacrificing by now? Because everyone would be perfect. Everyone would be new. Everyone would be who they were supposed to be. Um, but he says, um, because and this is kind of him explaining why they would have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But then he says, no, it doesn't actually take away your sins. But he says, actually, it just makes you remember sins, which is funny. I mean, he's just, it's true. Their sacrificial system, it just made you remember. Well, I'm a sinner and this is what it cost. Whereas Jesus, he takes away our sins. And I'm telling you, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. Because when he removes your sins, uh, it is the best thing in the world. Yet for them... It was like, wow, that's how much of a sinner we are because we need this. And then we are coming not only on the Day of Atonement, but we have other times throughout the year when we're offering for different sins and shortcomings and impureness and uncleanness. We are just broken. We are not good. And that's what he's saying. All I could do is make them remember. Yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you're a sinner. Um, 
And so then I see here it says, uh, for it is not possible that. Hey guys, future Pastor Addison here. Uh, so I just want to say that uh, you'll hear kind of a break here because uh, during the live stream, my internet cut out. And so it. We, I was in the middle of explaining it, but hopefully I resume it. And so that's why these two pieces are kind of blended together. But I hope you guys are enjoying this, and we'll just continue with the show. Hey, okay, so hopefully, I don't know if that resumed our old one or not. I, it looks like it resumed it, hopefully. Um, but yeah, for some reason, my internet just dropped like a rock. And so uh, we'll see if it holds up for the rest of the... The, the time here. Uh, but wow, way to ruin the flow there. But we're in uh, Hebrews 10. And so I was just making a link here in verse four and verse number one. And it says, uh, for the law having a shadow of good things, it says can never, it can't. Oh, I'm getting an echo here, but it could never, it could never take away our sins. And then it says in verse number four, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So I was making that link there that he's, you know, just really trying to emphasize that it is an impossibility. Is it working? Are you seeing anything, Jonah? I see your face over there. Yeah, I was turning down my volume too. Oh, okay. no echo. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But we've got we've got this very big emphasis that the first covenant couldn't do it. There was just no way. It was impossible, impossible, impossible. And again, he's just trying to show these Hebrew believers Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And so first we see that the old covenant couldn't do it. And so then he has this word wherefore. When, whenever you see therefore or wherefore, it's really, really important. And if you have studied your Bible for any length of time, you know that. You know these are very key words. And so he's saying, because of what I've said, this. Because of all of this, wherefore, when he, and this he is the Messiah or Jesus, when he cometh into the world, he saith, and here we're going to go into the next section, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will. O God, above, when he said sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then, he, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Okay, John, I don't know if you have anything really uh, that you want to say here. Um, I believe this is a modified quotation of Psalm 40. Um, mm -hmm. And so what, what are some key observations from this section? Why is he saying, you know, wherefore? Because, you know, the old covenant couldn't take away sin. Wherefore this? Wherefore this yeah. section? Yeah, it uh, definitely is showing that. Um, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sins, but pretty much uh, be because of that, I prepared a Messiah. Um, I prepared a body that has thou prepared me. And so it, it's very interesting in verses six, and it, it even says it again in verse eight, um, that God has no pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices. Yeah. And so it's very interesting. And, and, and this would probably have been one of those eye openers for those Jewish Christians. And what, wait, 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 wait what? He, he doesn't have any pleasure. Then why have we been doing them? Yeah. Oh, well, again, let's, uh, I've been, he's, the penman saying, I've been talking about this. It's just been a shadow. It's not that God just loves you uh, being that glorified butcher. Yeah. No, it's, it's a picture. It's a shadow of what is to come, that body that God has prepared to take away the sins of the world. And so 
is I'm pretty sure when this letter first went out to these Hebrew Christians, they're like, he doesn't have pleasure. What in the world? This guy has gone nuts. Which so. is really interesting. Uh, I, mean, I mean, because he's he's really taking them back to their own law and showing them, guys, I'm not making this up. Look in the law. I mean, Psalm 40 was showing you that it's not sacrifices and burnt offerings that he had pleasure in. That's not what it was. And this is the modification, which maybe one day we'll dive deeper into uh, why this is modified from Psalm 40. I do. I do. There's many reasons, but I do think this is an emphasis. And one of the commentators we were reading yesterday, they said that he was trying to show this is the difference between Jesus and David. Jesus was telling that, no, my you gave me a body and David wasn't. Which we There's a lot of other reasons. There's a really are. We're not diving into all that, but I'm just going to bring that out. God prepared Jesus a body so that he could take away our sins. It couldn't be the blood of bulls and goats. And that's that's the thing. We are humans, not bulls and goats. And so bulls and goats couldn't stand in for us. It needed We needed a human with a body to stand in for us. And so he's trying to show sacrifice and offerings. Oh, sorry, I hit the mic. Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. That's not what you originally intended. And that's why the Messiah, he said, you prepared a body for me. And that's why he says, lo, I come to do thy will. And that's why we see in the garden, Jesus saying, not my will, but thine be done. It's not about what I want to do. I'm here to accomplish what you sent me to do. That's what Jesus was, was there to do. And so um, I, love, I love that. But let's end with verse number nine. He says, he comes to do thy will. And this is what his will was. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. It's kind of cut off there. Uh, but he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Here we're going to begin to see him resume his other arguments, or I guess he kind of begins to bring in the other arguments um, to build up Jesus as the better offering. But we're seeing here the first and second covenant. He takes away the first covenant that he might establish the second covenant. And so let's look at these next few verses. Uh, let me look before we go into the next verses. We just got a comment here from Belinda. It says, I can't quite believe that God did not have pleasure in these sacrifices because the life is in the blood, he has come to give life, not take it. Oh, I can quite, I was like, I can't quite understand that, but I can quite believe. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I like that. He came to give life and he gave his life a ransom for us. And so he didn't have pleasure in just seeing his own animals killed on behalf of our sin. I could see that. Thank you for bringing that out. And so let's just jump into this next section here. It says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What a verse. Really, really, what a verse. I'm just going to go back to the drawing tool here. I mean, this is this is beautiful. We are sanctified through the offering. Again, this is the emphasis of this chapter. The offering of the body of Jesus once, once for all. Like, like friends, there, there are some who claim something called limited atonement. And I'm just going to say, I don't subscribe to that. Okay. And a lot of times if you say that, people will say, well, you're either a Calvinist or you're an Arminian, which, which maybe one day, Jonah, you and I will have a discussion on Calvinism, Arminianism and where we are. But the truth is I'm neither. I'm not a Calvinist and I'm not an Arminian. Um, I just try to stick right to what the Bible says. And so I don't subscribe to either of those, but I definitely don't subscribe to Jesus only dying for a certain amount because I, I believe the Bible is very clear. It just says he died for everybody. And, and it, here it's very clear. 
It's once for all. It's once for all. Um, and every priestess has standed daily ministering um, and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost is a witness unto us. For after that, he had before, said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And then he summarizes it here. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Okay, so this is a beautiful section where he brings back in a, an argument from Jeremiah that we've already covered. And so Jonah, before I, I jump into it, look at this and kind of help us through this section here. Uh, verses 10 all the way to verse 18. What are some, just kind of walk through the flow of thought with us, I guess, and pull out some juicy nuggets for us. Yeah, it... uh I'm not a, a grammar or a literature nerd by any means. I'm the math guy. I love math and I could <laughs> never really stand grammar or literature. However, um, I do see some parallelism just in this chapter. Um, I, verse one, it started with, hey, those sacrifices couldn't make the comers there unto perfect. But we see in this uh, passage right here, the, a few verses later, uh, he is saying in verse, uh, it's, Verse 14, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified and who are sanctified. We read that uh, in verse 10, by which we all are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so he says the old sacrifices couldn't make anyone perfect, but the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ made everyone who believes in Christ Perfect. So, okay, so let's dive into there. that. Let's dive into that. So perfect. What do you mean by perfect? Does that mean that we're sinless and we'll never mess up again? Oh, Is yeah, that well, what it means? <laughs> I've, I've never met someone like that before. And so uh, it, it just means complete. And so I believe that it has justification written all over yeah. it. I mean, the moment we are saved, we are declared righteous in God's eyes. Yeah. And so when he sees us, he doesn't see the sinner uh, eternally, uh, we're obviously still the sinner, but yeah. we can get to heaven because our, he took away our sin. Literally what it says here in Hebrews 10, uh, we are, we are righteous because and, of his righteousness imputed onto our account. And, and I think, I think that's a hundred percent right and perfected. I, I believe that this does talk about our security because yeah. it's not saying that we will never sin again and we'll never need, you know, First John 1, 9 confession. There are some mm -hmm. people who even say we shouldn't ever confess again, which I don't agree with, uh, but perfected forever. Uh, once we are saved, it's a locked in deal. And that's why I believe Paul, what was that in Philippians? No, not in Philippians, uh, maybe Galatians. I don't remember exactly the book it is, but he says um, that he which we gun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And once you are saved, is like, he, he began it. He's going to complete it. It's, he's going to bring it all the way to the end. We even saw that in, in Hebrews, I'm talking about that he'll, he's able to save to the uttermost them that believe, that come to him and believe. And so it's saying here, by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. 
when we trust in Jesus, it's the destination is already secure. Like we, another word it uses is predestined. When you are saved, there is a predetermined destination of being like Jesus. It's just going to happen. And so I think, yes, justification, but I think it's also just wrapping in our full salvation here. Justification, sanctification, even says them that are sanctified and glorification. It's saying it was just one offering that accomplished all of that. All of that we are, we are completely saved and will be completely saved throughout time. But uh, what do you think about that? I think uh, that's 100% correct. And I think you even mentioned when we were talking yesterday, um, just the idea of perfection Mm. uh, and the eternal security portion of once saved, always saved. If something is perfect, especially if something is complete, there is no need for anything else. Yeah. Uh, and so how can you be perfect, but then not be perfect? Well, then you weren't ever complete. Perfect. Yeah. And so um, if you're not complete, then you're, this this verse is false. And so yeah. um, once you're perfect you, and you're now one day not perfect, well, then you were probably never perfect to begin with um, because that goes 100%. against the idea. And so, Which is uh, funny. I think it's Colossians that talks about um, we are complete in him. You know, and I think that's kind of a similar word. I don't know if it's the same word. I didn't have time to look at that. The verse just came to mind. We, once we are saved, are complete, not in ourselves, but in him. We are perfected. We are complete. Uh, he makes up all that we lack and we lack a lot. So I love that. Once you're saved, you are completed and um, and it's forever. Like it is locked in. Uh, but that doesn't mean we'll never mess up. No, it's that that salvation is a progressive sanctification. We're saved, justified immediately, but we are progressively made more and more like Jesus until we are adopted completely. Uh, the adoption of our body, as it talks about in in Romans. And so I like that. We we kind of went a long time into verse number fourteen. I paused us there, but let's look at verses fifteen and on. And it's interesting. He brings us back to the covenant. Uh, that we talked about earlier, he says, the Holy Ghost is a witness also right here. I love that. So he's trying to tell them, guys, guys, this, I'm not making up new doctrine here. The Holy Ghost also witnesses that this is going to happen. And he he quotes the whole section about the new covenant. And maybe that's, I don't know, this is just my opinion. Maybe he's doing that just to kind of bring them back to the entire passage. Cause maybe it would have been hard for him just to quote the very, you know, verse 17 and then be like, where is he pulling that from? But maybe he does 15 through 17 to kind of bring them back into the Jeremiah conversation. But I really believe the emphasis of this quotation 15 through 17 is verse 17. And the reason I believe that is because that's where he brings his application from. Would that be fair? Yeah. Uh, and I even think, He's doing more parallelism because yeah. it even says in the beginning of this chapter, man, the, the sins are remembered year after year. And mm, so mm, now mm. it's saying, yeah, I remember your sins no more. Oh, that's <laughs> so huge. I'm seeing all this parallelism. That's um, this, the, the author here. I mean, obviously it's the Holy Spirit and God gets the glory for this. He, it's just a beautiful, beautiful writing because if you, I, I don't think it's up there right now. Let's see. Is it remembering for sin? Is it right there? Can never, or is that on our first verse section? Three. Is it verse three? Okay, so yeah, I can't draw a line up there. Um, but here he says, that one, it made a remembrance year after year. But this one, he says, I will remember their sins no more. That's God will remember our sins no more. And so this is kind of the culmination right here. He says, because the sins and iniquities would be gone in the new covenant, where remission is, where there's no more sin, where it's gone, there is no more offering. Okay, so this is where he was trying to get to. 
if the sins are gone, there's no more offering. Um, and I believe this is what 26 is going to build off of next week. But just logically, we have to think about this. Where remission of sins are, there's no more offering. So if God was going to deal with sin once for all and actually get rid of sin, there's got to come a time when there's no more offering for sin because the sins are gone. Um, does, does, that, does that make sense to everybody? I hope that makes sense. And if you're listening later on, I hope this makes sense, the logic here. He's saying that if God was bringing a new covenant that would erase sins, if there is actually a time when sin are remitted, are gone, there, there doesn't need to be continual offering. And the application, let's first look at the interpretation for them. They would have now understood why they didn't need to go back to the temple. Because he's saying, if Jesus really dealt with your sins, why are you trying to go back to the, to the rituals, to the offerings for sins? Because if there is remission, if the sins, like, Jesus, like God said in Jeremiah, are remembered no more, why go back? Why go back? Um, and, and so for us, we've got to also realize that there's no more offering for sin. I mean, it's if you've believed in Jesus, that's the offering. And, and that's, that is what de- deals with our sins, is the blood of Jesus. We don't need to do something new, something fresh. We don't need to, to have a, a special ritual at our church to wash away our sins. Jesus, is, that's it. It's him and him alone. And that's why the Bible encourages us to keep going back to Jesus for forgiveness and asking him for cleansing because Jesus was the only offering once for all. And so do you have something to add to that, Jonah? No, I think that uh, you covered that well. Okay, that's a, that's a definitely an interesting verse. I think it's a it's a delicious verse. Uh, let me see. Let me see this. Belinda said here, um, verse 17, I love it. This is true with real, real, real repentance. Let me look at verse 17 again. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And the, the beautiful thing about, you know, Jesus not remembering our sin is yes, repentance. And repentance, a lot of times people view as I'm stopping sinning. You know, like I'm not going to sin anymore. I, I'm never going to sin again. But repentance in the Greek is metanoia or it has to do with a change of mind, which is the basis of repentance. Repentance is uh, basically this, and I was talking to our church about this last week. No, maybe it was two weeks ago. It is when we, when we're, when we're born, basically because we're broken, we're sinful, we're fallen. We view God as the enemy and sin as our friend. And that's what we see is I like sin. Sin helps me. And God, we got to hide from God. God's the bad guy. Repentance is when we change our mind about that. And we see sin as the enemy. Sin is destructive. And I don't want my sin anymore. I want God. God is good. And so it's a, it's a change of our mind, which leads to a change of lifestyle. Uh, it's not saying I'm never going to sin again so that God will love me. It's like, no, I see now sin is bad. God is good. I can't bridge the gap. I need help. Jesus, help me. I need, I need a new heart and a new life or else I'm going to keep running back to my destructive sin. And so repentance is an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, biblical doctrine. And, uh, I love that. And so we have here, oh, she brings up the Hebrew here to make a 180 degree turnaround. Yeah, that is probably the Hebrew word. I was just looking at the Greek here because we're talking about the New Testament. Whatever the New Testament's talking about, um, Repentance, that's what it's usually the word is, is metanoia, change of mind, change of mind. Now, there is a passage in the New Testament where Peter tells them, repent and be converted. 
The word converted is the turn, is the turn, uh, not the repent one. But we'll have to look at that when we get into the book of Acts. Hey, that would be a fun study, though, for our, our Hochmann coffee is going through the book of Acts. So let's keep going here. It says here, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holy. OK, so here we go. Here's another key word. Having therefore, because of all this argument. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Let's just stop here and then we'll move on. But this is good. I mean, I I, I wanted to jump into it. I wanted you to jump into this because it says, therefore, because Jesus took away our sins. Boom. So you want to jump into verses 19 and 20? For sure. Um, chapter nine from last week, we saw that only one person could go into the holy uh, of holies in the old tabernacle. And now verse 19 of chapter 10 saying it's not just the high priest that can yeah. go. We had a high priest that went there. And now he's saying we can be bold enough to enter in the. Uh, could you imagine uh, the the Hebrews? Yeah, this is some again crazy terminology of what their ears are hearing or their, their eyes are reading when they read this, they, no one would ever be bold enough to go into the Holy of Holies. If you're not a high priest and especially if it's not that time of year to go right, in, right? It's, I mean, no one's going to be bold and say, oh, man. I'm walking in and see you guys. I'm going into the Holy <laughs> of Holies. No. And again, I need to be careful. This, this not what they're saying that we can just be flippant about it. A hundred percent. Definitely be bold and have the confidence that, I'm not going to be struck Kicked dead out. if I enter into the Holy of Holies because it was a sacred and it was a very uh, sanctified or set apart place where only certain people could go in. And so they could have confidence that everything is okay if I go in and enter into the presence of the creator of this universe. And I have access now because of the blood of Jesus. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I love this. And so, uh, so here we go. It's the same thing we were just saying here. So let me add it to broadcast here. Wow. That boldness is not disrespect, but it is the total love that you have for your own father, that you have no fear to enter his presence with utmost respect. A hundred percent. That's what we were just saying. It's not, it's not a disrespectful mm -hmm. boldness. It is, but it is that like my kids, like if they were in this building right now, I'm telling you, I don't know how we do this live stream because they would just walk right in and be like looking in the camera and waving at you guys. And they would just because there's a boldness there because of the relationship. And, and for us, it says in verse 19, we have that same boldness that my kids have in entering into my presence because and it says here by the blood of Jesus. That's why. I mean, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because Jesus made this better offering. He's he mm -hmm. is the one who gave his life. To, to allow us to enter in. And this brings us back to chapter nine when he's talking about as long as the first tabernacle stayed in between us right. and the second tabernacle, it's showing there's a better thing to come. But here he's saying, no, that's out. That's out of the way. Now we can enter right into the holiest, which again would have been a shock to them. It would have been right. a shock to all of them because not only, you know, was it the not the right time of year, but they are not from the right tribe. You know, there's so many hindrances to entering into God's presence but Jesus took them all out of the way. Every hindrance to coming into God's presence, Jesus took out of the way. And it says here, the way he did it by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated uh, for us through the veil. So this is this is literally talking about tearing down that first tabernacle. We don't need the separation between the two. Now there are one. Uh, that is to say his flesh, which is a type. The veil is the type of his flesh, which, again, I learned this in Bible college. So you need to fact check me. OK, so I'm just going to put this out there. 
but please fact check me. This is something from my memory from years ago was that the veil was two different colors that were intimately woven together. One color signifying Jesus's deity, the other his humanity. And they were so woven together that you couldn't tell the difference. They were so united showing Jesus's deity and humanity. And then we see there that ripping of the veil, his flesh in his, in his incarnation, it's showing that he died, his flesh was ripped so that we could come into the holiest of all. Uh, and, and so you'd have to fact check all of that. But I do believe the veil is a signifying of his flesh. And that's what it's saying here is the veil was Jesus's body, which was broken for us so that we might come into the holiest of all. All right. So we have this. Let's look at verses 21 and on. Verses 21, we're going to go 21 to 25, and that will be where we'll end today. But it says, having an high priest over the house of God, and this is where it gets really practical. So let's just bring up the drawing tools again. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, another, another, you know, Old Testament term, but now brought into the New Testament. It's sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Actually, before we go to the really practical three verses here, let's just talk about 21 and 22. As you're reading this, Jonah, how does this, you know, the the connection between the old covenant and the new covenant, uh, how does this kind of play in your mind? What is he trying to bring out in their minds and should bring out in our minds? Verses 21 about the high priest. And 22 about these, the sprinkling and the washing. What, what comes into your mind? Yeah, it seems like uh, the penman is literally coming to, I think you even mentioned it uh, at the beginning of the hour, um, a climax. Mm-hmm. Of, we've already gone through 10 chapters of him explaining how Jesus is better. And yeah. in verse 21, he's saying, okay, after all these arguments, after me explaining what the uh, the Old Testament was all about yeah. and showing you how Christ is all better. We have that high priest over the house of God and you can now draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. He's pretty much now putting it in their court. Can you just rest that yeah. you don't have to go back into the the works kind of the blood yeah. of goats? It was just a shadow. It's not going to make you perfect. It's not going to save you. It's not... Can you just rest in the fact that Christ has paid it all? Can you have that full assurance of faith? I know that you guys have started this uh, journey and uh, I'm just trying to get you to not have any reservations anymore. Just rest. <laughs> and it, it's, it would be hard for them to do, but he's oh, saying 10 chapters. And I know there wasn't chapters there, but this <laughs> long, they've, they've been reading quite a bit up to this point. Yeah. He says, can you have that full assurance now? Can you just put this behind you. You don't ever have to be tempted to go back anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I do, I love how he brings in the ritual mm-hmm. um, that they would have understood, you know, the sprinkling the same way that the, uh, the priest would have been sprinkling in the tabernacle on the day of atonement and everything. He says, you guys, our hearts are now sprinkled. You know, it's not, not the things inside the physical tabernacle, but our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. And I believe that the, the high priest had to wash himself in the laver before mm. he went into the presence of God. And he's saying, guys, the same way that he had to be clean so he could go in, you're already cleaned by Jesus and by the pure water. And because we are now clean, we can now have full assurance of faith that we can enter in. We can draw near. We can draw near to God, into the presence. 
Basically, he's trying to show them with their own language, everything that had to be done for you to enter the Holy of Holies, it's done. You can come Mm -hmm. in. You can come in. And so because of that, we get into the really practical three verses here. The first practical challenge is this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. He is faithful that promise. So the first one is this. Basically, he's saying, don't go back. He's saying, guys, hold fast. Don't go back. I mean, I mean, I've, I've taken these last for us 10 chapters to show you Jesus is better. Jesus is all you need. He's better. He's better. So because of that, hold fast. Stay with Jesus and do it without wavering. Like, like gird up yourselves. Be strong. Realize you're standing on the truth. And this is why you can know you're standing on the truth. For he, you know, a lot of times in our Western culture, we like to go back to uh, like facts and figures. But it looks like in the Bible, oftentimes it doesn't go back to facts and figures. It just goes back to him. And he just says, just look at him. He's faithful. The way you can stay faithful without without wavering is realizing he is faithful. Like, like you can trust Jesus. Just look at his life. He is faithful, that promise. Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. And so it says, then let us, this is the second one. And oh, Before I go to the second one, is there anything you want to say about the hold fast section, Jonah? No, I think you covered it. We're just, we are uh, just in personal application. We ought to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Yeah. And so um, there might be things pulling us in all these different directions that might seem good, that we are tempted to go back to. Yeah. We got to just hold fast, just like they might, their, their application, the, the interpretation of this, they might've been tempted to go back to Judaism. Yeah. We have our own things that we might be tempted to go back to, but he says, no, just stand fast. You know that that's he's so faithful. Good. And so. No, that's so good. And so friend, if there is something you're tempted to leave Jesus for this promise or this, this exhortation is for you. We, we see over and over again, let us, let us, let us friend, let us. And if and I'm just saying if you're tempted to go back to agnosticism or maybe you're saved out of a different faith and you're tempted to go back because of family pressures, friends, hold fast. Hold fast because he is faithful. I love that. So let's look at the next let us. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let's start there first. So again, we're just continuing this theme. And I know we got to hurry up. Jonah's got to go soon. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. He says, guys, don't go back. Hold fast. And the way you hold fast is by together provoking each other to love and good works. Like keep on telling each other, come on, let's let's love, let's love the Lord. Let's love each other. You're supposed to provoke each other to love and good works. And the way we do that is by this next verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Friend, you need the local church. I will be very clear. Online church is not the same. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to be clear. The, the Greek word for church is a called out assembly, ecclesia, and it was meant to literally come together. You come out of your homes and you come together. You're called out of your places to come together. During 2020, I know we we all went through a big shift. We we all had a big shift. But I remember there's probably our, our church only closed down for maybe two or three weeks because um, there was a lot of cases around and we were just respecting, respecting that. But I remember during the time when we were closed, it was not, it was just not the same. Just watching on a screen, 
And, and I was even at the church helping with the live stream. It's just not the same. The, the body is meant to meet together. Um, and, and I love this because it says it, we exhort one another when we're together. When we're together, there's that sharpening of each other. There's that provoking to do what's right. There's that accountability. And he says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And this is the opposite of what we're seeing right now in Christianity. We're seeing so much the less as you see the day approaching. You know, it used to be people were in churches as often as they could. But now in 2022, most people, it's hard to get them in church at all. And if they do come, it's like, you know what? We don't need as many services. Let's cut them down to as few and let's make the services as short as possible. And, and, and people are seeing less value in church than is there. The church is such a gift from God. It really is, folks. I hope you understand the church is a gift from God for you Please, please, please don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Be there as often as you can. I know not everybody can be there every time the doors are open, but you should try. It should be like, God, I want to be with your people. I want my family around your people because it's there that we're provoked to continue and to stand fast. And we need that in this current evil day. Okay. And so Jonah, what do you want to say to wrap us up here? Um, because this is, this is a, a big section. I know there's a lot to say, but I also know you've got somewhere to go for teaching and everything, but what do you want to say to wrap us up here? Oh, I think, uh, you covered everything so good. Um, and church is so, so important. Mm. Um, I, I see uh, Belinda's comment there says, hallelujah, go to I'll church. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, um, and I guess <laughs> just quickly, I'm, I mean, we can uh, kind of just reiterate the purpose of even this channel, because a lot mm. of people will say, hey, I don't go to church because I have this televangelist or right. I watch this person on YouTube. What this channel is, it is not replacement for church. This is supplemental. And I will even say this. If you go to a church and the pastor would not agree with something we say, God has appointed that pastor for you. If it's a local New Testament church, uh, listen to your pastor. Um, yeah. Obviously be a Berean because um, uh, obviously no pastor is perfect, um, right. but we're not trying to usurp anyone's authority. And yeah. so um, this is not to replace your church, though, and say, uh, I'm not going to go Sunday morning because I watch Hokemon Coffee on Friday morning. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no do please that. don't. And that's the, that's the same thing. We're, we're just trying to show you guys church is so important. Local church, your church there. Um, yeah. and, and maybe one day we'll do a series on the church and why it's so important. I'm reading a book right now on church membership. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. The church is a gift. Friend, I encourage you, please don't let anything replace you being in church. And I understand there are some who are invalids or who are unable, like physically yeah. unable to go. And I understand. I'm thankful for live stream for, for those mm -hmm. things. But in every other case, please go to church. Get there. Don't let any televangelist replace it. Go to church. Go to church. Go to church. And so that is a gift from God with all of these things. It helps you hold fast. It helps you do what's right. Church is so awesome. And so our goal here is just to help you. As you mm -hmm. study the Bible, be a better servant in your local church. That's our goal for this channel. And so I think that's all I know we've got to wrap it up here. And so I just want to tell everyone, thank you for being with us. Miss Belinda, thank you. I mean, I love that you're here with us every week. And I know mm -hmm. since we were earlier this week, some of us are like, oh, wait, I thought we were still at 10. And so we didn't have everybody with us this morning. But all who watch us, all who support us, guys, I'm just, I'm going to tell you, we're thankful for you. I pray that this is a blessing to you as you study the word. And I hope that you just continue. Continue. I, let's just end with this. Hold fast, guys. Hold fast without wavering. 
he's faithful. He really is. And so thank you guys for being with us. Jonah, thanks for taking your time this morning to be with us. And we will talk to you guys all next week at 6 a.m.